Thank you for listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please support the show by subscribing to and leaving a five-star rating for the show on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also support the show by going to our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, where there's always exciting articles by the BNG writing staff. While you're there, don't forget to click on the fanatics.com banner for a great sports fan shopping experience. Are you done yet? We gotta start the show. Hey, Bruins fans, I'm back. It's episode 146 of the Black and Go Hockey Podcast, brought to you by betonline.ag. Fantastic folks over there. If you want to place a wager, go to betonline.ag. Uh, this week, it's a little, uh, little different. Uh, we're about uh, 11 days away from the puck drop of the Boston Bruins 2019-20 uh, season, and um, I'm Unfortunately, uh, at my dad's, well, no, it's, it's fortunate because I got two Boston Terriers that I'm watching and, it, and it's awesome, but his internet is absolutely terrible and I'm having a hard time getting my homework done for this episode, but we're just going to do like a regular general talk about uh, the state of the Bruins and, and where we're going with this. And uh, online with me today is a good friend, Chris Blackie and uh, Chris, you can find him on Twitter at Chris underscore Blackie. And you can also follow his outstanding podcast, which he covers not only the Bruins, but other uh, major sports in Boston. And that is the Boston Sports Blitz on Twitter. Steve Black, I mean, Chris Blackie, I'm sorry. Chris, how's it going, man? Hey, thanks for having me on, Mark. How's it going this morning? It's, it's good, good. I got my, uh, my, my gallon cup of iced coffee and uh, yeah, there you go. absolutely ready to, uh, to talk some bees with you. Uh, first of all, I just want to uh, say I really appreciate the time this morning. I know we talked uh, in recent weeks, but with the, the, the NHL and Bruins coming up quickly, I mean, it's just, it just seems like it's coming faster and faster. Things got busy and busy and schedules got all out of whack, but I'm glad that we made time today to sit down and talk. So uh, how how are you this morning? I'm doing well. Uh, it's early early Sunday morning here. Well, nine o'clock now here on the East Coast, so it's not terribly early, but early. Yeah. You know, getting ready for the Bruins home opener. It's a little bit frustrating how they do it with TV. It's not like any other sports. Like you see, like preseason football, it's everywhere. Basketball's everywhere. You have to really look just to watch a game. Sometimes with the hockey, it's unfortunate. 
Yeah, the um, the streams are, are very very weird because uh, when you go on YouTube and you do a search like like last night's game or, or any game, the New Jersey Devils, um, Chicago, and Philadelphia. I, I know that Philly game was on TV, but it was a Philly feed. But sometimes sometimes you go onto YouTube and you do these searches and and you see that it's going to be a live feed in fifty minutes, and all of a sudden when you get to that point, it's game time. And you click on it, and it's just it's just it brings you to another ad, which makes right. you subscribe. And it's just it was just terrible. So, I am actually looking forward to getting away from that and just watching just regular season hockey. Oh no, um, no. Yeah, so I'm I'm pumped for the season. And so, why don't we just get started on this general topic about where your state of mind was in June of last of this summer? And the Bruins going as far as the Stanley Cup finals, losing three home games in those finals and ultimately losing the Stanley Cup to the St. Louis Blues. Where are you, where were you then? And where are you now 11 days away? Well, when the, when the, you know, the disaster happened when it was the Stanley Cup finals, I mean, I felt like I was bashing my head against the wall and watching what was unfolding. I mean, to lose three at home is inconceivable to take a, you know, a word from Princess Bride, so to speak, but uh, just frustrating. You know, they'd come out in game three and just totally smoke them. Like, okay, they figured things out now. They're good to go. We're going to be okay going forward. Never in my wild imagination when they lose three at home. The missed opportunity they actually had is the thing that drives me the craziest because that's never going to happen again. I mean, the seas literally parted for them, and they just pissed it away. Very frustrating. Going into this season, I'm optimistic they can make another run, but it's not going to be easy, obviously. Hockey's a hard sport to begin with. You're not going to get that opportunity again. That's what, like I said, the most frustrating part about it is they just – very frustrating the yeah. way it's like they didn't show up when they needed to. I mean, those bad calls, but that you got to rise above that. You can't just say, well, they lost because of, you know, Achari getting tripped up. It sucked, but you ultimately didn't show up that game. Same with game two. Game two was a real backbreaker in that series. And let's face it, if line one and line two actually shows up, they don't even go to game seven. Yeah, I, I I absolutely agree with you, and and the other thing I agree with you is previously you mentioned that the, the seas parted. There's there's no better way that this Bruins team could have gotten to the Stanley Cup Finals, and you're absolutely correct. It's it's like finding the Sasquatch. Yeah, you're not going to see this path. I don't believe ever again. I mean, it, who knows? I mean, but. I mean, Tampa Bay out in the first round, you, you truck over Columbus, you truck over um, Carolina, and, and you go right into the, um, the Stanley Cup Finals and you just uh, you drop three when you had the home ice advantage. That, it is. It was very frustrating, and I was also bashing my head. My office is technically on the second floor of my house, and I really wanted to just do a power, power run and just jump right out the window. But, right. you know... It- one other thing that really irked 
to me about them losing the cup was the narrative again of Rask not being the win the big one. Oh Jesus! I, I, if it wasn't if it wasn't for Tuka Rask, I'm sorry, you don't even get to the cup. He wouldn't finals. be there. Simple as that. He wouldn't I be. Mean, they wouldn't be there. Unfortunately, the way it's looking now, until they actually win the cup with them, that narrative is always going to follow him. And even if he does, even if he does win the cup. You know, there's going to be the, still people are saying that the team carried him, but Rascal's playing out of his mind. It's very unfortunate what had happened with the team. Very aggravating. Yeah. And, so, and it's so aggravating talking about today, where, how many months from that happening? Yeah, exactly. Um, unfortunately, you got, I mean, well, I, I always use that word in the wrong terms. Fortunately, we do have to Rask for two more seasons. And uh, unfortunately, we're going to hear that narrative of he can't do this, he can't do that, he doesn't show up, he craps his pants for another two years. So, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I used to get really aggravated about all the Tuka haters, but I just, it, they just, I think they just complain because they love to complain. At so, some point, you just going to accept that's just the way it's going to be. Yeah, exactly. There's no, there's no use arguing anymore with those, with those folks. But uh, regardless. You know, the other thing I like, I know we got to run to the stuff at the top, but with, with Tuka Raska, people complain about his performance and they complain about his contract or both. Yeah. I, oh, I think, I think the contract is the biggest thing. I think when they look at that $7 million and then they look at the situations like they are, like the Bruins went through this summer with uh, Charlie McAvoy, Brandon Carlo, and, and some key signings of, of uh, Danton Heinen, that's, you know, well, that's the narrative they, they go to. They, the, the haters bottleneck themselves down to, well, we wouldn't be in this situation if we weren't carrying Rask. And they always blame the previous regime for what's going on today and what Don Sweeney has in place for right. the future. You can't have it both ways. I mean, we, we always used to bitch about Jacobs back in the day not spending money. Then they spend oh. money we're bitching about it again. There's, there's another narrative. Another narrative that kills me is he, they don't spend money, but they spend right up to the cap every year Literally that the now. cap has been. Yeah. If you want to win, Chris, and you know this, you've been a longtime Bruins fan. If you want to win in this league, it is so tough, but you have to just, just look at it. Look at, the, look at cap friendly. I'm looking at it right now. Those teams that spend to the cap are going to be successful in that year. Yep. It's just, it's, that's the way it is. I mean – and he's spending to that. And, and, and by the way, I just want to – I don't mean to cut you off right there, but I, I pumped this, um, this podcast up from TD Garden yesterday. I had a fantastic time skating around on TD Garden ice. It was my first time. Very emotional moment when I stepped out on the ice. Hey, Mark Allred here at TD Garden, the world-famous TD Garden, and I'm with – Nate, the referee. How's it going out here, Nate? Uh, it's all right. Any troubles? No. No? It's like it's been a clean, clean day. I know this is a podcast and you can't see this gentleman, but he looks just like Kerry Frazier. What do you think of that? You know who Kerry Frazier is? No. He had the best hair in hockey back in the day. Best hockey hair. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> what do you think of this experience? It's actually kind of fun. Yeah? Coming out here. First one's on the ice. Nice. Nice. You get to cut, cut right in there, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. The hockey season started right. Exactly, exactly. Thanks a lot, Nate. I appreciate it, bud. Thank you. I wanted to run out. I wanted to run out like I was actually playing a game, but I, I was. Uh, I, I'm, I'm 
43 years old. So uh, running out there and, and falling is probably going to happen and make it embarrass myself. So I stepped right. lightly and then took off. But anyway, the, the remodeling that's being done in that building, the construction was still going on as we were skating. There were people working all over the place, all the way up to the rafters. And I'm impressed. I like the black seats. This team spends money. They spend money on the players and they spend money on the arena for the fans. So uh, that narrative is just out the door for me. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm 41. I, I couldn't run either on the ice. And I haven't <laughs> skated in many years. Uh, yeah. But that would turn anyone into a kid, no matter what your age is. Oh, man. Just looking up at, looking up at this, the new scoreboard, too, by the way. Um, the new scoreboard, oh, nice. the, the uh, banners, uh, just the history that you can – and I know it wasn't the old Boston guy, so you really don't get that, that history nostalgia, right, you know right. what I mean? But just looking up and seeing Orr and Hinchman and – and, you know, all these other players that were just, you know, legends in this town in the past, it, you know, it brings a little tear to your eye that you're actually out there. I mean, even my wife, even my wife, Courtney, she got teared up when she saw me coming out of the locker room and just going right onto the ice. So it was, it was well, kind of I mean, cool. it, it, it doesn't surprise me that you got, you know, kind of choked up, emotional, whatever you want to call it, because you, you look at, you know, your staff, right, and this show in particular, you see the passion that goes behind the scenes and what goes into it, especially like what me and Steve do. We have our own articles and this and that, but it's not like as grand as what's going on with you guys. And that's a lot of work. Just the few writers we have, what you guys put in, um, it, it's awesome. I really enjoy your guys' article and I enjoyed the show. Awesome. Yeah, Steve, thank you so much for that, man. That really, truly, truly means a lot. Speaking of emotional, dude, you got me. <laughs> no. <laughs> but no, so, hey, speaking of your show and, and you do with Steve, um, why don't you explain how your podcast started and, and what sports you cover? Well, it's funny. Me and Steve go back probably, geez, 35 years probably. Gee, wow. And the stuff that we're doing now talking about the sports teams, we cover all the Boston teams. We've done this since we were kids talking about it. So it's kind of sur surreal in a way that we're doing this now talking as adults. It's like a, kind of like a flashback, so to speak, but uh, just came about. Steve's like, Hey, you want to do a show? Her sat out doing live videos on Facebook and say, yeah, okay, whatever. And then it just progressed, progressed, progressed. And then got the website going in the groups, you know, and all that fun jazz that goes with it. And it's a good time. It can be frustrating at times, but. Oh, tell me about it. <laughs> it, it could be worse. I mean, you could not be a Boston fan. I mean, I know you're strictly Bruins, right? You don't watch yeah. anything else. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I, I used to be fully on sports, but it just seems when I, when I took on the heavier load of black and gold mm -hmm. uh, productions as a copywriter, a writer, a podcaster, and, and doing all this stuff. I really didn't have much time, but you know, also it, like the stuff that's going on today with, with um, that Antonio Brown. It's frustrating. I, I love the Pats yeah. almost as much as I love the Bruins. I mean, they're one, a one B ticket pick basically. But for it's me frustrating, but that's all. That's a, Another episode entirely that oh, yeah, we only get down that rabbit. But 
one of the things that I've always found interesting is little tidbits along the way. Like Larry Bird back in the day would look up at uh, Bobby Orr's number in their Raptors and it motivated them. That's the type of stuff that happens when you're an athlete here in Boston, or it should be. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and there's no knock on the Patriots, man. It's a fantastic organization and they, and they do what it takes to win and it shows, but like, honestly, I, it, it gets kind of boring sometimes. But it just, <laughs> you just, it, it's funny because I used to watch them years ago when they were perennial losers. They yep. Yeah. Their own way. You'd be lucky if you saw them on TV. Yep. I remember. Like, okay. They're going to win by 30. I remember going to – I only went – I've only been to probably about 12 Patriots games in my life, but I did go to one at the old stadium before Gillette. Um, yeah, it was Foxborough Stadium. Yep. And uh, bleacher seats. It oh, was, yeah. It was, it was a dump, but the place was packed, and they were playing the Cleveland Browns. And Jesus. Yeah, yeah it, was, uh, it was an interesting – and then, then, you know, years later going to um, Gillette Stadium – uh, getting seats down low and then even getting seats up high in like the 300 sections, man, it was, that's an impressive place. Oh, yeah. But I'll, I'll tell you the best game I've ever seen, ever seen at Gillette stadium was the 2016 winter classic. And that's, and that's not saying much because the freaking Bruins lost uh, to the Montreal Canadians of all, of all people. Yeah, I know it's, <laughs> it's like, I see like a lot of polls that come up. I mean, with the Bruins, like, who's their biggest rival? Yeah. I don't care if both teams are in the cellar. It's the Canadians. Yeah. That's, that's never going to change. Yeah. It's like asking what's the, you know, rival for Sox, Yankees. That's well, I, gonna change. Like, these people who are kind of new and young and seeing the, the basically the Toronto rivalry going on, that's yep. all well and good. But, but eventually, you learn to hate the Canadians. It's not something that we're taught. You're born into it. At least I was. It's like you you learn early on. You hate the Canadians, Yankees, Lakers, etc. You don't go for your rival ever. It'd be unheard if I told my father I was a Canadian fan. He would take me to the woodshed. <laughs> the woodshed. <laughs> Come on. But you know what's funny is you talk about the the rivalries and so on. I, I think we uh, Heather and I talked about it on a previous episode. It is it's the it's the wild card. When the wild card system came into the league, you really gravitated to a certain amount of teams that you're going to be playing year to year. And, and obviously it's true because, you know, Tampa Bay has always been at the top. Toronto and Boston always fighting for that right there. And then at the end of the season, they play themselves in the playoffs. And it's been that way for three straight years. I want to go back to the one eight two seven blah, blah, blah. Oh, no doubt. I miss the uh, Adams division. Yeah, I miss all the old stuff. You know what I mean? I don't, mm-hmm. I don't like the names. I, later on in life, I learned about those names, Adams, Smythe, Patrick, right. and all those guys. Those guys yeah, were – Yeah, they're, they're kind of scumbags. Oh, they were crooked. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, um, but anyway, <laughs> I lost track a little bit. Um, but let's talk about – the, the, the Boston Bruins coming up 11 days away, this puck drop. Um, Charlie McAvoy signed a really good team-friendly bridge deal. Um, I thought that was fantastic. And then later on, Brandon Carlo comes following uh, as the dominoes kept falling from the pro for the Rosenskis um, and so on. So 
we're going into training camp right now. We're in the preseason games. We're 11 days away. How do you feel now that these two solid defensemen, one shutdown, one offensive, um, are going to be in the plans for game one starting on October 3rd against Dallas? Oh, I absolutely love it. Like, I've been waiting all summer. Like, a lot of people have been waiting for McAvoy to drop, but I love Brandon Carlo. I'm like, okay, we got to get this going. Thank God they weren't unrestricted because Charlie would have been gone a long time ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They got an offer he couldn't refuse. Yeah. The fact that Sweeney got them in under, you know, the allotted space they have, in Heinen for that matter, is just mind numbing that you could pull that. I did an article probably about two months ago where I, I suggested Charlie at 3.5 and Brandon at 3. And I was pretty close. I got hammered for it a little bit. But. <laughs> well, I, I kind of think that everybody went into this whole thing thinking that um, that they were going to get big deals because the salary cap was a little bit undetermined right around right. the time of the awards when they were, were uh, technically – or right before the draft when they were technically were supposed to, like, come out and say what this upcoming year's um, salary cap is going to be. And there was – there was no word for about two or three days, and then it came out. So I think that kind of messed uh, the organizations up a little bit on their plans. Right. So point. they just didn't have that much. Um, but, no, absolutely. I mean, he uh, Sweeney has just been a mastermind when it comes to deals like this. You look back at the, um, the previous deals that the Bruins, not only Sweeney, but other regimes have done. I mean, they've got Bergeron under wraps for uh, cap-friendly. Marsh and uh, you know I, I it's just that's what you got to do is you just can't go out there and 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 spend 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 like like um, the Rangers and the and the Chicago Blackhawks and then and then figure out where you're going to be on October 3rd to be cap compliant but rather do that during the whole summer and 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 have some dialogue with these players and say listen we have a plan. We have a we have a um, a window of two years. We want you to be a part of this window. We we believe we're going to win. We're going to win another Stanley Cup. We want you there. Let's let's do let's do a deal that we can all work together on. And nobody's going to be you know. There's no individuals on this Boston Bruins team. It's it, you can plainly see that. So when no. it comes down to money, it's just it, it is what your value is. But when you're on the ice, you are a part of the team. And I just like the way Sweeney envisions that uh, moving forward and getting these small deals done. Well, to me, it made sense for them to do a bridge deal just on cap alone. Get a two or three year deal done when you have more money on the backside of that deal, then you can properly take care of these people. Yeah. Find common ground. Let, like you said, let them know you want them part of the organization, how important they are. And uh, it made sense to me. People were bitching and moaning about it, but that just goes with the territory, of course. But that's just that's just those people that don't look at screens like I have one right now and cap friendly and educate themselves on what what is happening now. Right. But not only that, it projects out to six to five or six years ahead. Yeah. So it, it that's a big thing to me. It's just you know take the time. You have the power of the internet in your hand most of the time in the cell phone. Yep. You use it it's, and instead of firing from the hip and just going nuts and, you know, but what I like about this deal is it's so cap friendly that both uh, Carlo and McAvoy are making like a little over a million dollars this year. 
but then they get what they should be making in the second year. And then the third year is when they can basically make their qualifying offer and their total value. Like, yeah. like, like McAvoy's total value in his third year could be, or his, or his qualifying offer could start off at 7.3. Which is where you kind of think he should be at. Exactly. In that ballpark. Yep. Charlie is an interesting character, so to speak, I guess. Like, he's got all the tools, but he's, he's got to show that he can stay healthy. Yeah. If, if he can't stay on the ice, his money is also going to drop. Carlo is another interesting character where his stock really rose in the playoffs. He was an animal, especially in that Columbus series. And he, yeah. That's why I like the the pairing of him and Krug. He does a lot of stuff defensively, so Krug can prosper on the offensive side of things. That's no coincidence that that unit works together. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not even left-right shot for me either. You know what I mean? It's just, it's it's who's the shutdown. Chara and who's offensive McAvoy who's a shutdown on the second line Carlo who's offensive on the you know it is it's Krug and then you can go down to your third pairing you know if Clifton's still around Clifton has shown to me he can be very offensive and quick can transition out of the defensive zone so he's, I mean he's he, a lot he's a lot faster than he uh he looks oh yeah he's a, he's a fantastic story by the way um Real quick, uh, let's just take a, a, a break. I want—I mean, not a, not a break, but I just want to do this uh, quick ad read from my show sponsor, BetOnline.ag. Uh, the Boston Bruins training camp festivities kicked off last week, and puck drop for the 2019-20 regular season is only 11 days away. So, placing a wager on any sport has never been more exciting than with the great folks at BetOnline.ag. Did you know placing a hockey bet is not limited to the 31 teams in the NHL? At betonline.ag, you can place bets on leagues playing worldwide, such as Austria, Czech Republic, Germany, Russia, Slovakia, and Sweden. And guess what? Because you're a loyal listener to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast and CLNS Media content, we're giving you 50% bonus onto your sports betting bankroll. When you go to betonline.ag and use the code CLNS50, this added bonus is only for the first ever deposit and the best part is the bonus is added onto your balance within seconds. Again, support our Black and Gold Hockey podcast by going to betonline.ag and use code CLNS50. Please remember a minimum deposit of $55 is required to qualify for the bonus. Please see BetOnline's general rules for additional terms and conditions regarding bonuses. Do not sit on the sidelines during your favorite sports season. Get in, into all the action with betonline.ag your online sports book expert. So we're back with Chris Blackie of the uh, Boston Sports Blitz podcast. You can find them on, on all major worldwide listening platforms. You can also follow Chris, and he's a diehard Bruins fan and a highly suggestive follow. Follow him on Twitter, at Chris underscore Blackie. So Chris, um, Coming into this, uh, the 2019-20 campaign, how do you feel moving forward with uh, Bruce Cassidy getting the, the um, multi-year extension? I don't, we don't have details because they, they, that's all tight-lipped. But uh, anyway, your thoughts? Well, I absolutely love Bruce. I was so happy when that deal got done. He is kind of the anti-clode, and I don't want to take a shot at Julian because, you know, I, I'd like to think I can be above that. 
but he doesn't sit back. If he sees a player that's not up to par, he's not going to wait 10 games plus for you to make the move. He'll make a move in-game. Yep, on the fly. He's got the best, he's got the best interest of the team. Whether your name's Bergeron or your name is the lowest person on the team, a fourth-line winger, it doesn't matter to him. He has no problem ruffling feathers, and that's what I love most about him. I love that I, he's accomplished a lot since he's been here. He's kind of throwing the fire. Julian kind of, I don't know. I mean, he won us a copy bars to another one. So he was a, a successful coach. Unfortunately, the way sports works in general is the coach normally goes out on, one, you know, on bad terms, generally speaking. And Bruce has learned a lot from his previous time when he was with the Capitals. Yeah. And I think him and Sweeney worked well together because they were together down in Providence, basically, working out with each other. And I think touching on what you said about Don making deals, Don's learned from the Bacchus situation, and it coincides with Bruce with the Capitals. Yeah. So I love the deal. I, I love Bruce Cassidy. I'm a big fan. No complaints from me. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Bruce. I've, I've watched six years down in Providence. Uh, I did not know about him before that, but obviously the internet educated me uh, to know more about him and, and his path to, um, from being a player, a defensive player with the Chicago Blackhawks and system and then, and, you know, Europe and in the, the lower levels of, um, of semi-professional hockey. And then coming up the rise to the Washington Capitals and not having a very successful time there but went down to the lowest levels of the East Coast Hockey League and then worked his way back up. So, I mean, tons of credit for a guy that does not quit. You know what I mean? I mean, yep. he just – he wants to get back to where he – where, you know, his dream job, and that's the NHL. I mean, I love, I love people like him. If it, The one-time player still wants to be a part of the league at the, at the highest level, and, and they'll fight for it, whatever it takes to get there. My thing with, with Bruce and, and him is not just the now. We'll see what happens this year if they can get back to, um, you know, a Stanley Cup final. It remains to be seen. Yep. It's very, so hard to do. Um, but I'm more on this for the future. And I know a lot of people bitch and complain about the prospects that, that Sweeney and, and scouting staff have put together in recent drafts, uh, whether it be a reach here or that's a stupid pick there. It, um, having a coach like Cassidy, and I know I've beaten this before, and accompanied staff of Kevin Dean and Jay Pandolfo and Sacco and 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 you know and others. This is a good time to have him involved as these 2015 crop of prospects are now like pushing, knocking on the door of NHL careers. The scouting staff for the youth is already in place. So moving forward is not going to be a real big issue. Well, no doubt. And the, he, he's familiar with them as, as a coach when he coached them before. So he, he knows what they bring to the table. Absolutely. And that's another thing that comes with Bruce, like I said earlier. If you're not up to par, he's going to let you know. If you're doing what you got to do, he's going to let you know. He's very vocal. Yep. So, yeah, um, yeah kind of. But, I do, um, I do like what you said about um, about Bruce and and making the moves. I mean, he does do a lot of on the fly moves. He doesn't he doesn't wait a couple of games to see if chemistry is going to be there or not. 
Um, the, the traditionalist, Claude Julien, did do that, would wait three or four games to see if, if things would move and you get chemistry. But he did that a lot with his veterans. He gave those guys an opportunity. A guy like Alexander Kokolchev, Hashtag Kokolgate, um, <laughs> he did not give those opportunities, and they were very spotty. And, and, and if, he didn't, if he saw one thing that a, guy, a kid needed to work on, well, he wasn't going to do that in the NHL. He was going to find a veteran to fill that spot. I wonder how he, uh, Coco would have managed in Bruce's system. They got along really good. I know for a fact that I've talked to several people down in Providence that cover that team, and they said that they had a great relationship. Now, I'm not too sure about the rumors of, of, of return. I don't believe the Bruins have Coco's rights anymore. If they do, it's only for one more year. So I, I, don't, I don't know if, if that will ever, ever happen. Um, I would love to see – I would have – even back then, I would have loved to see a little bit more of him, not basically on a, on a fourth-line role trying to, to fill a gap. I would like to see him as a second or third liner somewhere in there and, uh, and, and see what he can do from there with a little more offensive uh, you know, opportunities. Yeah, he actually put up really good numbers when he was in Providence. Yeah, he's a point-per-game player. So I understand. I can see his frustration. Why would you not be frustrated? Yeah. I, th I think had – I don't know. I, the problem is, you know, you hit or miss all the time. It's just the way it goes in sports. Like – like you said earlier about reaching, sometimes you have to. Sometimes the pick that you think you should take isn't the pick you should. Yeah, but overall rankings, like the end of the year uh, National Hockey League draft rankings, you know, if you have a Barzell here and blah, 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 and you, and you look at a player and, and you think that that's something that might not address the now, like some of those guys in 2015 were, were, are picked, but they might address certain needs in the future. You got to look at your salary cap and where that's going to when you dictate. And, and it's, you know, there's so many avenues to pick. It's not just best available and what we need. It's just, oh, you know, it's like you got to look at three or four years down the road when this kid's going to be ready and what your salary cap's going to look like then. Yeah, it would have been a lot different. I mean, people say about Barzil being there, yeah, okay, you bring him here. Who's to say he works out in this organization? Exactly. You don't know. So Maybe it does pan out, and and you're suddenly, he's he's would do what next next season he's due. I believe so. Yeah. So you got to figure if he's with the player he is now, you're definitely going to lose Kruger. Him, take your pick. Oh yeah. You're not going to get both of them. Oh yeah. That's another hot topic. What to do with Krug? I I, I think. Where, he, where are you on that? I think he signs here. I do too. I just hope it's at a cap friendly deal, like he right, like right. he said. Now, as cap friendly or rumor has it that the salary cap for next season is twenty six million dollars, uh, oh, free space. So there's definitely room, but you also gotta you also gotta take care of Grizzlick. You also gotta take care of Charlie Coyle, um, and DeBrasto. Yeah, and and I'm just going through. Oh yeah. Oh, I forgot about that one. So you've got Charlie Coyle that you, you, that's, that, that's a definite re-sign. Uh, Wagner, I'm not sure. Uh, he could be like that new Schaller and Achari type of player that might ask for too much and get booted. 
would like to see him stick around. Uh, he's a good player, fast player. I, I don't see Richie coming back, and I don't understand why Richie's an RFA. The guy's 26 years old. But anyway, uh, Nordstrom, I don't see coming back. Jake DeBrusque, yeah, that's, that's going to be a huge signing. He's going to have a, hopefully a big year, which will dictate how much his value is going to be. Exactly. He needs to. Yeah. Um, Krug. Uh, I mean, that's a resign. We'll get back to that. Kevin Millar, I don't see a return. No. Um, Zidane Chara, I, I, as much as I appreciate his leadership and what he does on the ice and, and as, a, as a consummate pro, I don't want to see him back next season. I just think that retaining him year to year to year is still going to um, create that huge bottleneck down in Providence with the Lausanne, the Zoborals, the Euro Vakaninans, and blah, blah, blah. So, We'll see what happens with that. But Grizzly needs to be signed, and obviously the backup goaltender after this next season is going to have to be addressed. So there is a lot of work. So a lot of people see that $26 million right now and say, well, what's the problem? We can sign all these players. But if you look at that list carefully and do your due diligence, right. that, there's not a lot of money to be spent when it comes uh, down exactly. to next season. After July 1, you're going to, have to, you're going to have to knock on doors and be like, hey, can you take some cap-friendly deals? Can you go back and do what pre- previous players have done in the past and, and, and be a team player and, and let's do this together? So I, I think the one person that if they're going to pay, like legitimately pay, it's going to be Krug because he's un- unrestricted, so they're going to have to up the ante. Same with Coyle. DeBresca, I think they're going to get something done reasonably. But he, he needs to – he's another one. He's funny. He's very streaky. He's, a, he's an awesome talent, but he kind of disappears at times, and then he's red hot for like 10 games. Which makes you wonder if he was injured a lot of that last season because he did get banged up. Second year, second full season in the league, um, you get exposed. I think, that, I think in, his, uh, in his rookie season, DeBrusque was more or less like an, uh, an unknown that we have to figure out, and then year two, they had, they had the book on him, so... Um, and I think you definitely heard in the playoffs. No yeah, oh, yeah, very oh, yeah. telling about the playoffs where they get that cross check from the uh, uh, cadre. I'll be nice because I don't know if you like swearing on the show, but so I'll uh, you can it. fucking oh, swear if you want. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, Cadre's one of the biggest pieces of shits out there. Exactly. I mean, to me, the person I'll always say the most because I I love nearly to me is a god. Period. He's my favorite player in the sentence. Yeah. And that piece of shit, Ulf. Yeah. You know, Ulfie Samuelson. Old Turtle himself. Oh, in terrible. the cadre. Like, he, that was such a sucker hit for, on DeBrusque. And, and what gets me is Toronto fans like, oh, it's clean. Bullshit, that was clean. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Uh, both, in both series against Toronto, he clearly went for the head. You oh, know? yeah. So, so yeah. He could have, like, he could have like seriously heard. Uh, I remember the the first person he took out was um, Briar. Uh, he's not with us anymore. Wingle, Chris Wingle, Wingle. Yes, right? it was. It was uh, Wingles. Yep. I mean, he could have paralyzed him on that hit. Exactly. I and mean, then... Dabrowski ring his bell, so yep. that doesn't help either. But um, you know, I know we're a little bit all over the place, but I think the Bruins actually have their backup goalie right now. I think it's going to be Kaiser. I think he's ready next season to step in behind Rask. He's looked great I, so far. Yeah, I mean, he is 
he's a very, very good goaltender. He's very athletic. Um, and he's, he stays square to the puck. Great vision. Um, the thing I want to see is, uh, uh, just experience and hopefully he'll get that in Providence. Um, I'm still a firm believer that there is no one, a one B I'm sorry. No, I, I said that wrong. There's no like uh, starting and backup goaltender in Providence. The, the schedule doesn't allow stuff like that to happen. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you why is because they, the games are predominantly on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So that's their week is three straight games. Sometimes they filter in a Wednesday game here and there, but uh, you can't, you can't run your goaltenders three straight games, right. batting goaltenders. So uh, it's pretty much like an even in a 78 game season. Um, you, it's not unlikely to have one goalie play 35 and one goalie play say 30 games. I'm terrible at math. So don't, don't don't curse me <laughs> right but yeah i mean the thing is down there is is work is is you need to be playing on a constant basis a player like kaiser and and let me just scroll down real quick to see where he's at uh he's 20 years old and a player like him a developing player at his age you don't want him on the bench um, when a guy like Tuka Rass is going to eat up a lot of the games. So I, I would like to see Kaiser play this season. Um, I mean, his three-year entry-level contract technically starts um, this year. So you have plenty of time to groom him and get him ready, um, especially uh, with Tuka Rass two years left. Now, my predictions – I don't want to see him in that backup role because he's not going to get that playing time that he needs as a developing player. But I do see him, if they do this properly, like, like, and I know we're going a little crazy here, but if you look at Jake DeBrus, do you think Jake DeBrus would have had the rookie season he did if he didn't spend one full season in the AHL? No. I don't believe so either. So here – you, you groom, you get them involved in the pro level, and you do whatever it takes. And when Tuka Rask is ready to go and they don't want to uh, entertain bringing him back, Kaiser is the type of player that can fit right into that starting role. He'd be, I'd what, 22-ish, 23 when, that, when, when Rask is a free agent? Um, he, yeah, will be, there. he will be 22. Jesus. I had to be 22 again. Yeah, me too. I make a hell of a lot more decisions. Better oh, yeah. decisions anyway. But, yeah, I, it's, I, I'm not a fan. I know I preach this a lot on the show, and I'm probably people are getting sick of it, but I'm just not a fan of the, the as soon as they get drafted and leave the podium, let's get them right into the NHL. I, it, that, those days are well over. It, it's all about proper development and sustainability in, in the future seasons of the league. And, and I believe that that can't happen without having a good development core, uh, especially down at Providence. And that team, that team, Chris, the Providence Bruins 2019-20 campaign, I know you're going to get AHL TV. Oh, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a, as excited about Providence starting as I am the Bruins. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but I'm, I'm telling you, this team is lining up to be an unreal team. I mean, speed is not going to be an issue. Um, and, and I know that we're still going through the preseason training camp schedule. But I could see, I mean, Jack Stanika 
He could be in Providence, Seneshin, uh, Samuel Asseline, Pavel Shen, Steen, all these players. That team is potentially going to be so fast. They will not get outskated this year. I guarantee you that. So big, big season for Sensen or Sensina, however you want to pronounce it. Seneshin. Seneshin. I always get it wrong. That was a, although on a side note, the uh, podcast with Kalman was really good with him on. Oh yeah, he's he's so confident. Uh, that was the, the the at the skate pod with Matt Kalman and yeah. Ken Laird. Fantastic program. They did. He just got to put it all together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he his. This this is an audition year for him, whether it be in Providence or at the NHL level. Um, if he does great and doesn't get to the NHL level down in Providence, then he can negotiate for an extra year to see where a space could fit for him in 2020 and 21. You yep. know, so there's there's so many there's, there's so much potential for him. His stride alone, I'm telling you, I've seen him in practices, I've seen him in games, and I stream a ton of ton of hockey when I, when he's involved. That one stride is, I mean, he can break away from somebody or or a back checker so quickly. And if you get him the puck and open ice, he's lethal. He's absolutely lethal. But he's still it's still a work in progress. And I get I get that a lot of people don't like it because he's taken this long to get full NHL time. But like I said, proper development is so key in today's NHL. When you're ready, you're ready, whether you're 22 or 26. Yep. Yep. I'm just, you know, I just think a lot of fans just love that we need it now, but more me as a, as a, as a historian and as a hockey lover myself, if he doesn't make it to the NHL, but he finds a, a, a niche in, in, the, in the AHL with the Providence Bruins, he is doing something for the organization positively. He's yep. being a member of this organization, and, and what he's doing in Providence is helping the NHL Boston Bruins to their goal in winning a Stanley Cup. So, like, like That's a good point, like Stanika. I mean, my God, he has all the tools right now. And even I, at times, I'm like – fighting myself like oh i want to see him right now but at the same time like i want to see him develop i don't want him to mess this kid up he's got like top tier talent yep he absolutely does he's great he's good too he, he sticks out like a sore thumb when he's on the ice on that prospect challenge especially oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. i mean th- those games are so catered to him and 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 what he can do with his uh offensive capabilities but you get him into games like the in the ahl which he does do very well, but this is—it's also another—it's a mix of of talent in the American Hockey League. Um, and I've heard on so many podcasts, I've read so many articles of of players that transition from the AHL into the NHL, and they seem to find a better part of their game when they do go to the NHL. And it might be the hype, it might be the glamour of the league, and so on. But they also said down in the AHL, it's tough. It is real tough to get any space down there and when you do you're getting rattled so uh, yeah. th- there's a definite definite change in the leagues um but it's good to see that um you know a player can come up and just do what he can do and and, and do his best to try to stay um even though it doesn't work like when you can talk about Sidnika, i i'm and i'm probably i always get killed for this I would like to see him spend a full season in the AHL. And yeah, I, I just, I just think that 
Um, the way he looks right now on cap friendly, David Krejci has got two full seasons to go. Well, he might be that second line guy that you're looking for. Oh, it depends on what they do with Charlie Coyle too. But I mean, I don't, I don't see him being the third, the third center guy when all these, the the core guys are like, you know, expiring Um, contracts. I am a wicked Krejci apologist. Like you can't even imagine. And I always catch slack for it, but I've loved David Krejci pretty much since day one. Yeah. Yep. He's been in the organization. I followed him since, um, since the Providence Bruins when he came up through that way. P- people, I don't know. It's a narrative again. But uh, How about this hot take that I've been getting killed for? I want to flip Bergeron and Krejci up the middle. Wow. You th- think I'm crazy? We're all a little crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should hit this again. <laughs> uh, yeah, get some exactly. Uh, do you got um? What's your reasoning behind that? All right, my reason is, I believe David Krejci is a better playmaker than Bergeron. So, by putting Krejci up on the first line, you are feeding two world-class players that are going to get you probably a hundred points, whether it be this year or next year. So that, that's awesome because I do love Krejci's playmaking uh, capabilities. And we have seen a sample size of that when Bergeron was out and Krejci jumped up. So, and when, in that time frame, I think it was 12 to 16 games, somewhere right there. I saw a lot of really good things. Now Bergeron, when you drop Bergeron down at the second line, DeBrusque, and Coleman. Let's just say Coleman or Slas Ritchie. Though that line right there has more finish, in my opinion. Um, what I mean by finish is get to the net and and do something effectively, while the top line is more is, is more skilled and so on. So I just think that you know how the narrative of uh, Krejci can't find a wing to to play with. But be nice folks, it would be nice if he actually had one on his right side. Exactly. Exactly. So, but then you hear another narrative from Boston Bruins media and, and, and fans alike that say everybody that plays alongside Patrice Bergeron becomes a better player. See, well, if, if, you, if you put Kuhlman up there or you put Richie up there or, or Seneshin or whoever – you're going to get the best of Patrice Bergeron. And, and that is just a mentor right there on your side, on your wing to learn from. And I, I like the one, two punch, uh, both lines uh, when you talk about secondary scoring and so on. And, and, and I'm not saying it's the end all be all, but it could solve the five on five scoring that we haven't seen all last year or in the playoffs. The, the Bruins' success in the past, it seems like the past two seasons when it comes to scoring and, and scoring ranking in the NHL has been on the power play. Yeah. So, Which is another reason why you need to get Krug taken care of. Yeah. You, yeah, know, you need that quarterback. People, you, and a lot of people say Grizzly can do the job, which I, I like Grizzly. No problem. I don't think Grizzly is a Krug, at least not yet. They, they, they move the puck well. Yeah. Um, not very, not very great defensively, not shut down capabilities, but 
They are. There's two separate players. If you if you really look at there and you you know you go to the tape and you do this and that, you can see the the differences. But because of their transition out of the defensive zone, they're very very similar. Yeah, and the other thing that people need to start thinking about soon is who they're going to lose to Seattle. Ah, uh, yeah, that's another one. Um, I, I mean, you can expose. Well, it depends on when when that league is coming, when that team is coming in. Is that next season? I believe it's next season. Well, you, top of my head, but I know it's within a year or two. I I will rattle off. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, Sean Corrali is not in that. In oh my that, God! Don't, yeah, don't do it for me. It's too early. I'll lose my I'll lose my crap. But anyway, like David Backus is a uh, is a candidate to be exposed. Um, Nordstrom. Lindholm, if you need cap space, I mean that's only eight hundred fifty thousand for Lindholm. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's well the pro- the problem the Bruins have now, especially if you look at like the organizational depth they have, they have a lot of depth on the back end. It's hard to crack that lineup as is now. I mean, in your opinion, right now, who's the most ready back? He looks great to me. Who's that? Bakaninen. Yeah. Um, he, yes. Uh, all depending on how, well, now that McAvoy and, and Carlo was signed, so he could be um, a coverage player for a Miller and more. Yeah, exactly. Because they're so not going to be ready. No, no. I think, I think both of them are probably going to be midseason coming back. Uh, you can put them on the IR, uh, LTIR, um, and bring these up. Here's the thing, Chris, is that you don't want to bring somebody up that is going to be exposed to the waiver wire. So when you look at these uh, entry, when you look at these entry level defensemen, um, Yurho, Zboro, um, Wiley Sherman. I don't. I don't see him coming up. But but a player like Jeremy Law is on. Uh, those guys will probably get those those uh, those spots, and because they're eligible to go down without going through the waiver process, they're probably going to be heavily looked at. Like a player like Stephen Camper is is probably going to be your your seventh defenseman for the for the upcoming season and rotate on schedule. If you bring him down, he's exposed. And I don't think they want to do that. I think I think Camper has a lot of um, a lot of pull in the Boston system right now as that guy, that fill-in, plug-and-play type of player. And I think they like that. So I don't think they would want to lose him to waivers. But um, the the my whole thing with this whole LTIR thing with Moore and 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 Miller is you, if you bring in players. Um, what are you going to do with them when they come become healthy, and then, and then the cap struggle mid season when they do return? That that's always a one that I keep thinking about. Mm-hmm. Well, rightfully so. I mean, money is so strange in the not strange. That's the wrong term. It's different the cap in the NHL compared to NBA and all the other sports. Absolutely. So you have to really be paying attention to it. You you can't you can't go over. It's like uh um if if Vak was to actually start in Boston this year, 
he can go through back to promise no problem, or he could get claimed. Nope, no, nope. he's uh, waiver exempt. Okay. So the, the the players right now, the non-roster defense, Yerhovakanainen, uh, Yakuzboro, Axel Anderson, but I don't see him. I see him going to Markton, uh, the Quebec, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wiley Sherman and uh, Lozon and. Connor Clifton's available. I don't want to see him move. And and Charlie McAvoy's available, but he's not going to Providence. Right. Yeah, that's that's definitely not happening. So I, I, I want to see Clifton more involved. And and I think Cl- the type of player that Clif- Clifton is, is he reminds me of a Krug and Grizzlick. And he'd be welcomed on any of the top uh, three pairings. Uh, oh, my, my cousin, who absolutely loves this show, my cousin Eric. Ah, he's, Eric. He's actually uh, – part of the pa- Patreon or whatever you want to call it. He but, is. He's a very, very uh, and, uh, generous, generous uh, Patreon member. And he's actually, a, he's a good dude. Actually won a uh, t-shirt last, last week. Yeah. That's pretty sharp looking. I mean, we can't, you can't see it talking, but I, I recommend that shirt. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. But um, he loves Clifton. My God, he's going to listen to this here and this, and he's going to need a towel. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Just to cool yeah. himself down. Yeah, absolutely. I like, shout, I like Cliffy. Yeah, shout out to uh, to Eric Blackie. He's a he's a very good guy and uh, and yeah, very very diehard Bruins fan. So oh, definitely. He's like you. He's he follows the other teams, but Bruins are number one. There's no yeah. one. It's <laughs> just the way it goes. He's um, from the old school. Oh yeah, hell yeah. But uh, speaking of the Patreon. Before we actually leave, actually, uh, while I pull this up, because um, I haven't been home, so I'm doing everything on the fly. Um, do you have any questions for me at all, or do you want to end this as soon as possible? Well, I mean, we've covered a, a wide range of topics. I think we uh, came up watching the Bruins around the same time, but there's only a couple year age gap from, you know, between the two of us. It's funny because we used to, both used to play hockey down at White's Park. I wonder if we actually played against each other back in the day. I only went to um, – um, that's, in, that's in Concord. Yep. I only went there a couple times to um, – just to skate. I, I skated on the pond, and then yep. I, um, I saw that they had an outdoor rink. Oh, Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was pretty, that was awesome because it was, it was very well done for an outdoor rink. It was smaller than normal, but the games were really, really, uh, competitive. Um, I had a blast. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, that was unreal. Fun times. Yeah. And the, and the, the other thing about, it was cool about, um, the, um, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm still looking here. Uh, yeah. Um, was the uh, skating on the pond and, and, and only being a certain um, distance away from when the first officiated game in the United States actually happened at St. Paul's. Yeah. Right down the road, about a yep. mile. Yeah. Maybe 
mile and a half tops. Down exactly. The down and past the hospital on the left. Yeah. <laughs> See, you know where you're going. <laughs> oh yeah. From that area. I know that area in the back of my hand. Yeah. The, um, the, uh, yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. Just, just as a history thing, it was, it was just amazing. And then it got me more involved into learning about, about the St. Paul school and, and how that all came about and, you know, how they, how they officially became the, the first officiated game um, in the United States. So you know, I love the history part of the, of the sport. So it's always a, right. always a plus for me. Yeah. Well, I've had a, a fantastic time jumping on. Uh, we're going to do it again sometimes. Maybe get you on our show and. Absolutely. It sounds like a, yeah. sounds like a plan. Uh, I'm going to, I gotta, I gotta do something with this computer. So um, I will be right back to uh, mention this week's Patreon winner, our fourth Patreon winner in a row. If you want to be a part of the uh, the Patreon crew and and be um, eligible for uh, some great Bruins prizes from our uh, our advertising affiliate fanatics.com, um, please go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast and donate it a dollar and uh, be eligible. We do about four to six shows a, a, a month, so it's only a, a small investment, but it really helps us out and and it, and it helps our out-of-pocket costs because uh, uh, running a show and putting it on all the platforms that the listeners want requires a little bit of fundage. So, and we appreciate anything we can get back. And while we do that, we offer uh, some cool Bruins uh, swag from Fanatics to uh, to give back as a, as like a rewards program. So, uh, we encourage that you sign up and uh, and check it out. So. Uh, and I will be back with a winner uh, later on. But uh, Chris Blackie, Chris, thank you so much. Uh, please follow uh, his podcast along with his co-host Steve at Boston Sports Blitz on Twitter, and follow Chris on Twitter also at Chris underscore Blackie. Chris, thank you so much for the time today, bud. And we got to do this again. Absolutely, man. Have a good one. Yeah, we'll definitely definitely be uh, weekend buddies while the. Uh, the Providence Bruins are going on, so we'll be we'll, yeah, we will be. sure be uh, going back and forth on the Twitter talking about the action, so I'm looking forward to that. Right on. Take care, my friend, and uh, thank you very much for listening. No problem. Have a good one. Hey, guys. Mike Allred here. Just uh, we had a little technical difficulties in the studio. I haven't been here in a week, but um, I just wanted to go through and, and mention our Patreon winner for uh, – episode 146 and that is nick evans congratulations nick and thank you very much for your contribution you are the fourth straight week of patreon uh giveaways so uh we appreciate your contributions and helping us out and also we uh enjoy giving out some really great fanatic stuff so thank you very much nick thank you everybody for listening we really appreciate it we'll be back next week um to get ready for the the season we're only so much uh time away but um, the next show is our uh, season preview, so it's going to be a big one. It's going to be a good one, and uh, we're getting ready for hockey, guys. It's coming soon, so stay pumped. Take care, and thank you very much. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please share the show with your friends and family and don't forget to subscribe to and leave a five-star rating for the show on your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Between shows, help us keep the Bruins talk going by visiting our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, by sending an email to blackandgoldhockey 
blog at gmail.com and by following the show on Twitter at Black and Gold Pod. Peace out.